from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us today. And as a reminder to all our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each so segment available. Head on over if you like what you hear. We would appreciate your subscription. What's going on, guys? Nice Saturday morning. Got more NFL playoffs going on. Got some NFL stuff. A little bit of NBA talk, too. What do you think? More NFL action, and we're going to sprinkle in a little bit of NBA action that took place last night. So lots to get to. Let's roll. Let's talk some sports, baby. You know what it is. Hey, we see what they don't say what they want. Let's roll, baby. All right. In episode 28, we're previewing the NFL divisional round, talking NFL coaching hires and breaking down Bucks and Mavs. Let's go ahead and begin that playoff preview in the AFC. The divisional round kicks off on Saturday night for the conference when the Baltimore Ravens head to Buffalo to face Josh Allen and the Bills. The Bills, of course, are off their first playoff win in quite a long time, but this team has their sights set on much more. Meanwhile, the Ravens have won six straight, and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, got his first playoff win of his short career. So, Drake, Vegas has this game basically as a pick which does kind of sound right. So, who's actually going to come out of this one and head to the AFC title game? Well, um, my pick for the winner is the Buffalo Bills. Um, here's the deal. Uh, I think Josh Allen, he, he didn't make enough strides forward that can get it done. And I, I tell you right now, the Buffalo Bills is a prime example of what the Baltimore Ravens should do next year. Go out, spend some money, make a trade, do whatever you got to do, but give Lamar Jackson a legitimate guy to throw to. Because Hollywood Brown ain't it. We seen what Josh Allen was last year when his number one receiver was who? Um, Cole Beasley? John Brown? I, I don't know who the number one receiver was last year. But once you gave him a legitimate number one receiver in Stephon Diggs, now look how that offense operates. Oh, you, I'm making up stuff? Let's go back to the Dallas Cowboys. We remember how maligned they was back before Amari Cooper came into the fold when they was out here looking average at best. Good defense, but the offense just couldn't get it done. What did they do? Go out and get Amari Cooper? What do you know? Team looked it better. It might have been for a small period of time, but the team looked it better nonetheless. Um, so why do I say all that? I say all that to say this. Um, it's a pick on game. I got Buffalo winning by three. I'm going to throw that out there before I finish. 31-28 is how I see the game. Um, and, I, and I think the biggest part of this game is can those Raven defenders, whether it's Marlon Humphrey, whether it's um, Marcus Peters, you know, and, and, and crew, can they stop Stephon Diggs? Can they stop um, Dawson Knox? Can, 
I, I think the Ravens defense, because like the question you asked last week, right? You said, was it more on the Ravens defense or was it Lamar Jackson that won them that game? And I said it was Lamar Jackson. I think in this game, it will have to be the Ravens defense. They will have to s- slow down that Buffalo's offense to a halt if they want to win this game. Because as much as I like Lamar Jackson, most electrifying player in the NFL, I'm not denying that. However, it's a blueprint. It is a blueprint. And if you get to that blueprint, you can stagnize Buffalo. I mean, stagnize Baltimore. So I'm sorry. But if you're depending on um, old Marquise Brown to get you another 100 and you need Dez Bryant to do something and Willis Sneed and most of these guys that's been dead for majority of the season, that I, I don't know that it, I don't think that's enough to beat uh, Buffalo. I just don't think that's enough. You're talking about a team with with a shutdown corner at White. Um, they they got enough talent in all three levels of that defense to slow down Lamar. Lamar going to get his though. Let, let's let's not get too crazy. Lamar going to get his. He was the MVP for a reason. He's going to get his. But all you have to really do is is shut down that 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 run game that J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards make Lamar earn his yards, and make him throw the ball. That's the key to success. I'm sorry, but it, I, I know I, I'm making it sound simple, but I do think it's simple. And I do think Buffalo can do those things at a high level. And I also think Josh Allen can make enough plays to Stephon Diggs and company. Singletary can get you anywhere between 50. If, if Singletary go for 100, it's a wrap. It's over with. Buffalo, the dub is out there. But if you can, you know, Singletary get you between 50 to 75, keep moving those chains, very good in situational downs. I think Buffalo can't control this game. I'm not mad at Vegas. So, yeah, I'm going Buffalo, 31-28. Stephon Diggs go over 100. Yeah, I think um, I think a, the, the pick them kind of idea is absolutely correct because I don't, I don't have really a sense of how this game will go. There's a – you know, there's a lot of each team has, you know, all types of different strengths, you know, that they'll lean on, you know, in this game. Uh, Buffalo's obviously the, the more explosive offense. They make a lot of big plays. Stefan Diggs, as he, you know, as Drake most certainly correctly said, you know, the the, the uh, acquisition of the offseason most likely um, really, ha- really has changed what the uh, what the Bills do. Um, now, you you know, John Brown's your number two now, as he should be instead of a one. Cole Bees is a three now instead of a two. He's where he should be. Uh, they got a lot of we- uh, they got a lot of weapons out there and it looks a lot better when you have Diggs as your one. Um, defensively, they, they do a lot of they do a lot of good things. Um, if they're un- probably a little underrated out there, not a lot of stars. Uh, Tredavious White is a guy you would most lean on. And, I, you know, he's the biggest name. But the, I mean, these safeties out there and uh, Poyer and Micah Hyde, I mean, they're, they're, that's a that's a great combination that they have. You know, they got the, uh, the six foot seven, you know, behemoth in the middle, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, you know he, he's going to do stuff out there for you. That's going to be that's going to be fascinating to see if, you know, if his if he can maybe, you know, do some sort of uh, spying out there to, you know, try to keep Lamar Jackson in check. I don't know if he can, but I think that's that may be something they look at doing. And then, and then Baltimore, um, that Baltimore has a history of, you know, going on the road and, you know, upsetting the apple cart. Uh, John Harbaugh, I believe he's got the, you know, he's in the lead for most road wins all time in the, in the uh, NFL playoffs. Um, so his teams know how to, you know, take this show on the road and win. And Baltimore, to some extent, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than it was last season when all eyes were on them and the MVP with Lamar Jackson, all this type of stuff, Baltimore kind of flew under the radar this season, and they were somewhat disappointing. 
Um, so they're, I don't, I don't look at them, at them as the favorite in this game, although I don't, I don't necessarily see them as the underdog either. I think this is an even matchup. Um, I'm going to stick, I am going to stick with Baltimore in this game. I think the, the run, the run game with Lamar Jackson and JK Dobbins, who, you know, is averaging about six yards a clip this year. Uh, also, you know, sprinkling Gus Edwards. Um, and I think the, the fact that, you know, they don't, they don't have a, you know, particularly uh, explosive passing attack, you know, and I, I think the, the, I think the bigger problem that Baltimore ha- has in that regard and probably something they should have addressed this off season. And I don't know, maybe they'll look at it next year. I don't think Marquise Brown is necessarily the problem. It's what you have after Marquise Brown. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of question marks, you know, after him. I mean, I mean, Miles Boykin, uh, Willie Sneed. I mean, some of these guys, like, I mean, they're not, they're, no, they're not striking uh, fear in the heart of anybody. Uh, but I think, I think in the end, it's, it's similar. The, the objective for Baltimore is similar to what it was last week. A fat, a, a quick start would absolutely benefit them. That way they don't get in a situation where Lamar Jackson has to throw the ball uh, down the field um, and just drop back, you know, 40, 50 times. I don't think that, I don't think that's going to get it done. So I think they really need a fast start in this game. And, you know, it's, it's going to come down to uh, can Baltimore's defense kind of, you know, continue to ride that wave of momentum um, that they had last week. I mean, Tennessee's offense, you know, we were told and someone just got a job because of it, uh, you know, that they were explosive and balanced. They had all these things averaging 31 a game and they came in to Baltimore. Uh, they came in against Baltimore and they did absolutely nothing. Um, so I think the, the, the X factor in this game, it will be not Lamar Jackson's legs, but it will be Josh Allen's legs. If Baltimore can figure out a way to just make sure he doesn't hurt them too bad in that regard, I think Baltimore finds a way to get this done. I think, it'll, I think it'll be uh, relatively low scoring. I think that'll benefit Baltimore. Uh, I got Baltimore in this 23, 20. It sounds, uh, sounds like one of those games. As you look at it, you think, okay, well, which team's hotter coming in? Well, they're both pretty hot. You know, which team is the better quarterback? Well, they, they both got good quarterbacks. Well, which team's got the better defense? Uh, again, I mean, you know, maybe the Ravens, but it's pretty close, you know? So like, it's hard to find a lot of the ways it stands out. The, the things I'd look at. Maybe is- the- Maybe the coaching, maybe the coaching dynamic, maybe you might hear John Harbaugh. Definitely a longer, longer term, but you know, guy in Buffalo, he's been really doing, he's been putting in the work too. Right. So I, I think if you look at some, you have to break it down a little bit further. You know, one of the things I, I'm worried about is if the Bill, or, sorry, the Ravens are to get a little bit behind. Have you guys noticed Lamar Jackson does have this kind of tendency to start when he starts having to force things like it looks really bad sometimes like he had that really bad pick against Tennessee. He wasn't really forcing too much yet, but he just every now and then he throws on those picks. You're like, oh, God, like, oh, man, like that was just bad. You know, I think this is one of those games or if we get like that classic Josh Allen blunder or, you know, Lamar Jackson starts doing I think that's like what's going to break down. One team's going to get ahead and then the other team's going to either they're going to come back or they're going to start making a bunch of mistakes and then it's going to pile up and then that's pretty much going to be it. That's kind of how I see this game going, but it's hard to imagine, man. Like, you know, Buffalo's, or I'm sorry, Baltimore is hot right now, man. They, they, that defense is smoking and I don't think the bills are going to have a lot of balance. So no one of those games or it's going to be on Josh Allen and this guy's either going to continue to rise the occasion or, you know, maybe he won't, but I think it does. I think, I think this is one of those games that it comes down to mistakes and whoever makes them is going to go home and whoever don't make them is going to go on. I know it's cliche, but sometimes that's just the way it goes, you know? 
But uh, all right, so after that AFC matchup, we go to the Sunday 305 game. We got the 14 and two Kansas City Chiefs. They're coming off their bye week to face the um, the Cleveland Browns. Yep, uh, that's still a thing. Uh, after the Browns, shocking upset, of course, at Pittsburgh last week. Uh, the Chiefs essentially only lost one game this year at full strength, and you'd imagine they would roll in this game. But obviously, Cleveland proved last week they are not to be underestimated. So Jay, is there another surprise way to get this game, or is it uh, back onto reality for the Browns? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't see it. Um, I don't, you know, I think what is it, ten point spread? Um, yep. I'd be, I'd be fairly surprised if uh, Cleveland, does, uh, excuse me, Kansas City doesn't come in here and just, you know, um, escort these guys right back to Ohio and uh, get them on out of here. Uh, Pitt, it's not so much. I don't know if Cleveland, you know, was underestimated. It's the fact that uh, Pittsburgh was uh, overestimated, and they just came out there and just, you know, quite simply, you know, handed the game to Cleveland. 28 nothing in the first quarter forget about it uh when you look when you look at kansas city i i cannot imagine that kansas city is going to come out here and deliver a similar performance i mean I, I can you imagine mahomes throwing three first uh first quarter uh interceptions or first half interceptions or making just just blunder after blunder i mean can you imagine the situation where you know kansas city center you know snaps the ball you know higher than i could probably punt the ball and you know that that's an automatic seven points I can't imagine anything like that happening. You know, the, to me, the only chance Cleveland has is if, remember, Kansas City, you know, they're coming off a bye. They also, uh, I don't think they played all that many guys um, yeah, of, of significance in their Week 17 matchup. The, I think the only chance that Cleveland would have is if they, can, if, they, if they can get off to a fast start, catch Kansas City somewhat rusty. But, again, there's no guarantee even that'll work. I mean, uh, Kansas City is perfectly capable of uh, getting behind by you know, three scores. And then in the blink of an eye, they'll come back on you. Uh, this this game to me for Cleveland, it's all about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who has been, you know, I think there's been some words that have been, you know, said about, you know, I don't know, a revenge game or something or another. Uh, but he's back facing his former team. Uh, but th- those guys are going to, those guys will determine whether Cleveland makes this a game or if this isn't a game. Uh, for Kansas City, I think they, it, you know, it'd be, uh, it would definitely benefit them to, you know, look at shutting down that run game. Uh, make 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 Baker Mayfield beat you. Uh, the the one thing I'd be concerned about is you get that running game going, and then Mayfield's you know out here on these bootlegs, and you know that's where that's where Cleveland can uh, hit, can hit some uh, big plays against you. But if, but if Cleveland can't run the ball, um, I don't I don't see you know a situation where Baker Mayfield's going to you know convert you know third and long after third and long and just go step for step with Patrick Mahomes. That that I don't think I cannot imagine a scenario where that happens. Um, th- this one this one should be pretty easy. I think Cleveland wins this. Uh, I'll say I'll say thirty eight twenty seven. Kansas City wins it. The Kansas City, yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with Jay here. Um, let's go ahead and cut the fat. Let's let's uh, address the elephant in the room. Kansas City's gonna win this game. Um, listen, I know what Cleveland did last week, and I understand people are like, oh yeah, we didn't think they was gonna beat Pittsburgh. You're damn right. And there was a reason we didn't think that. And then Pittsburgh came out here and laid a complete egg. Um, can City land an egg in the postseason? I, I just don't listen. We we have enough, we have enough evidence from Kansas City in the postseason, just like Jay said. Even when they're down three scores, Patrick Mahomes like, oh shoot, we are playing the game. Hold on. Hey, you ready, Kelsey? Hey, you ready, Hill? Let's let's go out here and get these boys. Let's get them out of here. And that's with a subpar defense. That's with a defense that's average at best. 
they defense is actually playing pretty good ball with Tyron Matthew being the, 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 the leader back there and getting these guys ready. Chris Jones over. They're playing some ball on the defense side. So I just don't – they're not Pittsburgh where they – they don't do this. Like, at, at some point in the season, it was like that. And then they hit the switch, and they playing good ball. It's a reason why they only lost, you know, a few games. So – I, I just don't see it. I, I, I think all Kansas City have to do is be balanced on offense and play the same defense they've been playing. They'll get the Browns out of here. Their path to, to success is very simple. <laughs> be balanced and make Mayfield, Mayfield throw the ball. Okay, cool. Now let's talk about Cleveland. To Jay's point, listen, their path to success has to start with the run game. It has to. It's no. I don't want to hear – Hey, gotta throw the ball. But no, 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 no. You got to run the ball. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt needs to one of them needs to at least go over 100. At least one of them. If both go over 100, you you I have to believe you're sitting in a very pretty situation if both of them wants to go over 100, but at least one of them, you're not gonna win this game just chucking the ball. Is it once again, go to the evidence. I haven't seen nothing out of Baker Mayfield that makes me think if he throw the ball 55 times, it's going to equal a win. Damn sure not in the playoffs. So I, I I just don't see it working out in that fashion because, like I said, Kansas City defense is playing a lot better than what people give them credit for. So with that said, Kansas City win, I don't think it's particularly close. Um, I'm looking at it probably, mm, I'm looking at it, let, let's say 27 to 10, Kansas City. Yeah, the, uh, that's kind of how you, you think this would go. So I'll give you this. The, the Chiefs have not been good this year against the spread. They have won, obviously, all but one of their games, and they were trying. They lost to the Raiders like week eight or seven, and then they rested week 17. So they've obviously won almost all their games. But they have not obvi- all, always covered the spread. In fact, they're one of the worst teams in the league against the spread this year uh, because they, they've kind of gotten to this thing where they'll, they, don't, they don't do this the season but they do this during games it's it's carried over from last year's playoffs to this year but they'll just kind of sleep through a quarter or two i'll tell you the cleveland browns are a dangerous team to do that against because they have an offensive line they have possibly the best one in the league they have two dynamically good running backs and baker mayfield has learned to make less mistakes and he's not still all world as far as you know just scoring 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 but he's at least learned this is what i have to do to win games this is my job to win games that's a, this is a dangerous team to get behind on. Now, I, to, to me, this, this game is set like this. It's, it's going to be tone setting early. If Kansas City comes out and they just walk down the field and score no problem, then this is, this is going to be a quick one. You know, if, if they can score 14 points quick, forget about it. But you go three and out and three and out and three and out, and the Browns start running the ball. They start chewing the clock. They start controlling the pace of the game. It's going to be a bit dangerous because the one thing the Chiefs don't do very well is they don't pace the game they, they just they score they just they run out there they score in four or five six plays and they just you know put defense in the field you know the browns play the complete opposite game and they can just keep things in front of them on defense i think they can play this close i still think the chiefs are a better team they're probably going to win but i would I, if i was betting i would take the chiefs by a field goal I don't, I don't have the exact score in my mind but that's what i would be doing i think the browns deserve more respect than we've been giving them even we know what happened last week just something to think about. I think this one's close, but I I, I agree with y'all. I do think the Chiefs are going to win it. 
All right, guys, next up, we turn to the NFC side of the house. Saturday at 435, the vaunted Rams defense and a one-handed Jared Goff march to the frozen Lambeau Field, take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Of course, the Packers were the first seed. They had a bye week, and they are going to come off that and await their arrival. And this could be, be some pretty good matchups in this one for sure. So, uh, Jay, can the Rams defense keep Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in check and try for an upset, or Packers just going to be too much for them? I, the, Ram, the Rams, in my estimation, they're in the same exact position they were last week. Um, you know, on the road against, you know, a quarter at, at a significant quarterback a disadvantage, uh, Walford or Golf, I'm not sure it makes too much of a difference. Uh, but th- their defense did, you know, they did their job last week. They made Russell Wilson look below average, in my estimation. Uh, 11 for 27, it, it don't get a whole lot worse than that. And, you know, they leaned, uh, the Rams leaned on uh, the running game with Cam Akers uh, along with that defense. And Jared Goff really, you know, the only thing that he needed to do was not make the, not make a a critical mistake. And to his credit, he did not. Uh, I think that there's going to be a little bit more required of him this time if they want to get it done. I still think, you know, if, if the Rams played the exact same game they played last week, I think they can keep it close. But I think Jared, Jared Goff's going to have to take a step forward. He's gonna have to make some. Uh, he's gonna have to make some big plays, and hopefully that thumb is doing a little bit better because uh, he was uh, erratic and inaccurate throughout that game. Uh, I think you know. It, I look at a guy like Jalen Ramsey in this game. You know, he'll he'll be you know the the focal point of this Rams defense at least on the back end. You know, going against Devontae Adams. Uh, I know it's one thing, and you know D, uh, DK Metcalf is you know the you know the quintessential freak of nature out there, wide receiver. And Jalen Ramsey, you know, in, in, in their meetings this year is, is, has held up quite well. Um, this is this is a different animal. This is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you know, perhaps perhaps the best quarterback to wide receiver combination that you have out there. Uh, and I, I'm just I'm not sure how that's going to how that's going to play out. Uh, but again, you know, if Devontae Adams isn't available. Um, due to Jalen Ramsey's, you know, excellent coverage skills, you know, he, he, you know, he's going to, it's going to be the Robert Tanyans. It's going to be uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to find somebody. I don't think the Rams are going to be able to, um, I, I'd be surprised if they pull the same uh, performance against uh, Aaron Rodgers that they were able to do against Russell Wilson. I, I don't, I don't really see it happening. But on the other side, you know, the, the question to me is, and I think Drink would agree with this as well, are the Rams physical enough up front? And I think that my question is on the defensive side of the ball, is Cam Akers going to come out there and have a big day? And can the Rams come out there, control the clock, uh, stay in third and medium, third and short, uh, you know, move those chains, maybe keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, you know, limit possessions? That, that it's, a similar, it's a similar thing that, you know, if Cleveland was going to beat Kansas City, they'd have to do. Uh, that's the Rams formula. Um, I think. I think if uh, if you look at the coaching matchup, I, I'd give Sean McVay an edge, an edge there over Matt Lafleur. Uh, but th- it, this is um th- this isn't a situation where I think Green Bay just comes in and it's just you know an easy game. I don't think Green Bay. I don't see a blowout here. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be competitive. Uh, but in the end. Uh, much, much to like that I believe Russell Wilson would make, you know, more plays than whoever the Rams want to trot out there on the center. Um, it's the same way. I, I, I cannot imagine Aaron Rodgers uh, going down one and done because they are the top seed. Uh, a one and done Aaron Rodgers after um, this and what I believe he was, he's the MVP of the league. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that happening. Uh, Green, Green Bay wins this one 
Uh, we'll say we'll say 27, 23. 27, 23. All right. Hey, so I think for the first time since we've been talking about these matchups, um, I'm no because we we was opposite ends in Buffalo and um, Baltimore, and I think we're gonna be opposite ends on this one. Um, I'm going with the Rams on this one. Uh, here's the deal. I think Ramsey can take Devontae Adams out of the game enough, not completely out of the game, but take him out of the game enough to force Rodgers to have to look for Scantley and look for, um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Lazard, look for like the Tunyons and, you know, all these, these guys that's not as known as Devontae Adams. And I, I think that Rams defense, like, give them credit. I know it's a lot of guys that we don't mention on a day-to-day, but they have enough talent to slow those guys down. And you know my feelings on Green Bay when it comes to the line of scrimmage. I mean, like, I, I still – I want to see how tough they is. I think the Rams will show us how tough they are. They beat If they beat the Rams and they control that line of scrimmage, then I won't say anything else about them being soft. But until I see it, I believe they show them in soft over there. You know, so – Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback, and I do think Devontae Adams is the better wide receiver for both teams. I got that. But I think Jalen Ramsey is the better defender for both teams. I think Aaron Donald is a better defender for both teams. Um, so can can you can the Green Bay offense slow those guys down enough? Because I, I just want to see what Aaron Rodgers do if Devontae Adams is not available. I, I really do. I'm curious to see how he get down if his number one target is taken out of the game. This is what we know. We know we know Aaron Rodgers is an assassin. Most likely, he seems to be the MVP this year. Um, so he, he between him and Mahomes and Josh Allen, it's, it's, it's those three in the mix, I think. Um, I have heard Derrick Henry for the, the running back representative. But it's going to be in that mix. Um, and, and the Rams' defense have been impressive. I, I got to put some respect on it. Now, the problem, the problem is the Rams got to play offense, too. So can, can that offense help the defense enough, least hold the ball enough to make this a possession-by-possession possession game, make this a low-scoring affair? I'm not quite sure, but I can I say this. Jared Goff came in. He made some plays. Seattle is not Green Bay on the defense side of the ball. I got it. But – he made some plays with that broken thumb. And if, if he figured out how he can keep making those plays with that thumb, you got Cam Akers. He looked like he, he can carry the ball enough to take some of that pressure off of golf. I mean, it's not like his wide receiver core is just hot garbage. I mean, he actually got a pretty decent wide receiver core. I like Cooper Cup. I like Robert Woods. I like those guys. I like um Reynolds. I, like he got guys Higby. He got guys on that offense that can make plays. I, I like what he has going. Can he make enough plays is the problem. So to that fact, 27-24, Los Angeles Rams, holler to book. You know what's funny about the uh, Devontae Adams, Jalen Ramsey matchup is we really never seen it before. Despite Ramsey, you know, being in LA for a little bit now, and um, even the, I think the Jags and then Green Bay played Week One of his rookie year, and they played like five snaps together, you know, one on one or whatever. But and that, oh, and they played some of the Pro Bowl. So like, basically, we've never really seen a full game of, of actual real Jalen Ramsey and actual real Devontae Adams. So that's going to be a really um, interesting matchup because again, it's one we haven't seen yet. 
But we know that Jalen Ramsey has pretty much smothered almost everyone this season, and it's been pretty prolific what he's done. So I think, he, like you said, he's going to be able to take him out of the game to a degree. I think what's going to happen in this game is Aaron Jones going to have a big day. I think I think Green Bay is going to realize pretty quick, okay, yeah, this, this whole just flying around, throwing the ball 50 times, it ain't going to work. So they're going to switch gears because it's one of the best ways you neutralize a pass rush like the Rams have is you run the ball, get them back on their heels a little bit, push them back, and then you can do that. Now, my question is, how can, can Green Bay really do that? Because their physicality is a little questionable. They lost their left tackle late in December. They're not going to have uh, Bakhtiari for this game. Um, it, you know, I, I've questioned their physicality all year. Now, they started to change the narrative for me. I started to buy in a little more to this team as the, as the weeks went on. And, like, even the Bears, who aren't a great team, but they were – Green Bay just – was better than him in every facet, including being more physical. So I, I like the trend they're going in, but is can they do it? I think they can. I think they can push the Rams back a little bit. You know, Aaron Jones going to have a big day, probably more than 100 yards. He's going to kind of set the pace of the offense, and then that's going to allow Aaron Rodgers to start opening up and taking a few shots and maybe catching the secondary sleeping. Because you just line these guys up. This whole Rams secondary is good. The whole, the whole group is good. I mean, Jalen Ramsey makes them look better, obviously. They're all good. So I don't I don't think the the Packers can win this like they're used to winning, but I definitely think there's plenty of ways they can win it. And we know Aaron Rodgers is going to be smart. He's going to take care of the ball. And I just I don't know, man. I don't know if Jared Goff was completely healthy. I think that might maybe tip the needle just to the Rams for me. But I've got to go with a healthy Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day over you know Jared Goff with with four fingers. You know that that's just the way I look at it. But hey, this this will be a good one um, either way. I think. All right, at uh, 6.40 on Sunday, it is Brady versus Breeze on the History Channel. Uh, I mean, you know, Fox. But uh, the career leaders of basically every quarterback stat are set to square off for the third time this season. The Saints, uh, they own both regular season matchups, including a 38-3 beatdown of the Bucks in Week 9. However, both teams have made strong pushes into the playoffs, and both quarterbacks were sharp in the wildcard round. So, Drink, is this matchup more Brady-Breeze, or is it more about the teams around them? Uh, I'm going to go to the teams around them. I think we know what we're going to get out of Brady and Breeze. We know. Um, legendary guys. Um, but I would say this. This game will be closer than, you know, some of the blowouts, some of the smoke checks we've seen during the season. This will be closer. This is what Tom Brady got brought to Tampa for. This is why you paid him the money. This is why he was the biggest free agent in the offseason. This is why blah, blah, blah. You want to change all this stuff. This is why he get away with violating COVID rules left and right. This is why the, the playoffs. You brought them here for this moment. I think Tampa Bay will play up to the moment. However, the Saints is a they're a better team. They're constructed better. They're better on both sides. If you go down the middle of both teams, they're better. They have a better running back. Maybe, maybe, okay, if you want to uh, Tampa had a better quarterback. Got it. Um, but I think right now you would trust the Saints offensive line more than you would trust Tampa Bay's. And then when you look at the defensive line, I, I you, they might be running even, but I think Tampa Bay been getting a little more of the juice as far as the defensive line. And then the linebacker call, even with Devin White out for Tampa Bay, it's still getting the job done. It's still getting the job done. Not saying the Saints isn't. And 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 the secondary is clearly a Saints win. Um, but with all that said, uh, if you want to go wide receiver, you know what I'm saying? Your preference, I guess. Um, some would say Mike Evans better than Mike Thomas. Me personally, I think Mike Thomas is probably the better wide receiver for both teams. But if you want to say Mike Evans, if you want to say Chris Goff, you know, on and on, Tony Brown going there somewhere. Very, this game has so much elite talent. You would think it should be a close game. I think it will be a close game. However, I got to give it to the Saints, man. Um, 
I've seen nothing out of the Saints that made me think they shouldn't win this game. Drew Brees still playing his game. Michael Thomas, Manuel Sanders. We know what that offense can do. Throw in Jerry Cook and now still want a very productive tight end. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara, what, you know what I'm saying? The little engine that could. He keeps this thing going. Um, and then we know when we get on the defensive side, Cam Jordans, Hendricks, Davenport, those guys on that defensive line coming, bringing that smoke. Um, the linebackers are pre playing pretty good. And then on the back end, you know, they secondary. It's getting better. It was times where, like, it was some tomfoolery going on on the back end. But I think as of late, they're, they're, they're trying to play better. Um, so not to drag it out, I got the Saints winning this. I see the Saints putting up 35 points. So I'm going to say 35. Um, and I'm going to go about 35-24 uh, bucks. So 35. 3524 Saints over the Bucs. Well, the interesting thing about this entire weekend is the the other three matchups um, on the docket, the Ravens Bills, the uh, Chiefs and Browns and the uh, Rams Packers, they didn't have a regular season meeting um, that you could point to and kind of use as a reference point. Um, this one not the case. You have you have two regular season meetings. Of course they met in week 1 and the other one was uh, I'm going to say week 9. Uh, Saints Saints uh, Saints won it uh, one by 11 in week one. That one was, you know, kind of a little bit closer than, you know, the score might indicate. Uh, but week week nine was a complete uh, a complete train wreck uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, that is. 38-3 was the final. Um, it, it was 31-0 at the half. And by QBR, uh, Tom Brady um, ended up with a, a really fine season, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions at the age of 43. That, that's something to be uh, admired. Uh, but his two performances against the Saints, you know, he combines for uh, two touchdowns and five interceptions, including uh, that 38-3 loss. Uh, he came out there with a hot quarterback, uh, a QBR of about 5.9. Um, so to me, when you look at the the question, um, you know, is it, you know, is it Brady versus Breeze? No, I, I don't I don't really look at it that way. I look at it. It's Brady against that Saints defense. That that to me is the biggest matchup, because the thing I, that the thing that concerns me is you have to ask yourself, I believe, when the Bucks have the ball, will they be able to maintain any semblance of balance? If you if the answer to that question is yes, then I think the Bucks, you know, you feel kind of you feel pretty good about you know what you have. Uh, but I don't I don't think I don't think a whole lot of this running game, even though that they're they're giving the start to Leonard Fournette. Um, so I think maybe that's somewhat encouraging. Maybe they think he's you know finally ready to take over from you know Ronald Jones no disrespect, but come on, let's, let's get the, you know, the former fourth overall pick and let him do some things. Um, but if the, if the saints just neutralize the running attack, which, Oh, by the way, in, um, in week nine, uh, the Rams uh, ran for a total of eight yards, excuse me, the, the bucks ran for a total of eight yards. If that's, if that's what we're going to do again, then the, the, Tom Brady has no chance. He, he can't, he can't drop back, you know, 40, 40, more than 40 times in this game because the saints defense it's, it's too good. The, the narrative here with the Saints for so long has been Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and it's, they just fly up and down the field. That's not this team. This defense, the Saints defense to me is the headline. You know, and Drink, Drink ran off, you know, all the, um, you know, all the guys they have. And it, it's an impressive bunch. And uh, Dennis Allen, you know, maybe he's a guy uh, that, you know, should be, you know, mentioned uh, more in some of these uh, head coaching searches. Maybe he's a guy that deserves another chance story for another day obviously but I mean this defense you know in my mind is what makes this team go along with the Saints running attack of Alvin Kamara uh, Latavius Murray sprinkling a little Taysom Hill here and there um, but I you know in the end 
you know, although is it, I think it's definitely conceivable that Tampa Bay could win this game. I think they've got, you know, more than enough talent. Uh, the, you know, uh, one of the advantages they have, you know, Tom Brady's got more weapons than, um, or, you know, more, more star power at the, um, you know, receiver position and, and th those type of things. He's got the, he's got the advantage there, but everywhere else, I think the saints have a, the saints have a big edge to me. And, you know, given what I've seen in the first two meetings, you know, I, I, I really, I, I see no reason to go against the saints, you know, and they're, you know, they're my Super Bowl representative out of this, uh, out of this conference. So yeah, I like the saints and I'll go, I'll go 34, 24. It almost feels a bit criminal that we're getting this good of a matchup in the, the divisional round. I feel like most people would have had this as their, you know, NFC championship, or a lot of people would, especially in the beginning of the season. And now you, you kind of got to have it now. But hey, you get it. And I think we saw these teams, no matter what, were on somewhat of a collision course for each other. Um, I think one of the two, if, you, if you're looking for ways the Bucks can maybe win the game, I think there's two things you look at. Number one, Tom Brady's been doing this a very long time. And remember how many times it's, oh, you know, Tom Brady, this is finally it. He finally ain't going to do the thing. And then he just kind of does the thing. We're all like, oh, how did he do that? Like, he's still that guy. You know, I, I feel like when we watched the, the Washington game, he was real sharp. He looked real sharp, like real just – it was like vintage, just Tom Brady doing what he does. There was none of this, like, regular season Tom Brady, that 5.9 QBR Tom Brady. So – I think that, you know, you look at he's this is a, probably a team that should turn it on in the playoffs, right? They should flip that switch. They're all veterans. They've all been here before. They've all done this before. If there was ever a time for this team to flip the switch, say, all right, we're going to play to our potential finally. You know, this would be the time to go ahead and start doing it. Um, and the other thing is it's hard to beat a team three times in, in the same season. It, it is because, like, they can keep adjusting. And you just kind of have to go with what works and just hope it works again, you know, where they can keep making adjustments. So I'm really interested to see what the Bucks coaching staff does this time that didn't work the first two times. You know, you, you look at all the film and go, okay, this is the matchups we, we sucked at. This is the this is where we couldn't make any money. But hey, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do that. So I think the Bucks have a good chance to win. I mean, if, if I was betting on, I think I wouldn't probably have to bet on the Saints. Like you, the, for the reasons y'all laid out, the Saints look like the better team overall. But man, the Bucks are dangerous. I think they are a dangerous team, and if Fournette gets kind of rolling and, and things start clicking their way, I don't know. This could be another one of those, you know, nightmare Saints playoff exits. We've seen plenty of them. I mean, could be another one. But I would, man, I'd bet on the Saints. But I got like a thirty-one thirty type, just you know, thriller with a kick at the you know end of the game or something. It's gonna be fun. This one's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's go ahead and stay in the NFL. We're going to turn to some teams that aren't in the playoffs right now. The NFL coaching musical chairs game has begun with three of the six teams needing coaches finding their guy this week. The Jaguars kicked it off late Thursday with the official hire of Urban Meyer following days of speculation. The Jets moved quickly after the Meyer news to name 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Saleh as their next head coach. Not long after that, the Atlanta Falcons closed in on Arthur Smith, the former Titans offensive coordinator, to be their man. All these hires seem to have some pretty, you know, good levels of scrutiny. You know, we have some questions about Urban Meyer making that jump from college to the NFL. Uh, we don't know if uh, Saleh can really turn around the Jets and kind of how bad that's gotten. And, uh, you know, Arthur Smith, you know, is he really ready for a position like this? So let's go ahead and break him down. And we'll start with the Jaguars, Urban Meyer. And I guess I'll lead us off on this one, you know, representing the old 904 down here. Um, look, from my perspective, it's absolutely a home run. Right. It is the best thing they could have done. It's right. a slam dunk. It's the biggest fish. Call whatever else figure speech you want to 
McCauley. And this is this is why I get there's a whole lot of questions about making college up to the NFL. Well, Nick Saban couldn't do it. Well, Steve couldn't do it. Well, there's also guys that have done it. And Urban Meyer is, at this point in his career, is even more so. Like, I, Drink, I asked you before the show, I said, you think if Nick Saban woke up tomorrow and wanted to go back to the NFL right now, he wouldn't be more successful than he was in his first stint. I mean, you and me both, you know. He agree. absolutely yeah. would, baby. I mean, yeah. Well, at this point, Urban Meyer has won three titles. He has done nothing but win everywhere he's been. The Jaguars need – more than X's and O's. There's plenty of guys that are X's and O's. And there are plenty of guys that are X's and O's better than Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer builds a culture of winning. And I know that's like a kind of a cliche in sports. Like the coach comes in and builds a culture. But you have to do it. Like these teams get to the point where they don't value winning to the point where they're going to do all the little things. It's all the things they do when they go home and on their off time and on the weekends and on the off season. Like that kind of stuff is how you win football games. That's why teams like Pittsburgh are always winning games and the Kansas City Chiefs are always winning games now. They get their players to buy in and their players want to win. And then the coaching staff in turn feeds them. They feed the coaching staff, etc. They don't have that culture in Jacksonville. It's a nine to five job here. You know, you go home, you punch in your car and you get off, go to the beach, go to the lemon bar and do shots of Blake, whatever, you know, they need a cultural overhaul more than they just need X's and O's. And I think Urban Meyer is that guy. He's proven that at every stop he's been from Bowling Green to 22 and two at Utah to his two titles at Florida, no title Ohio state. And I get that there's some sort of, you know, controversy around, you know, the way he left. And I think that's true. I think people, I think Urban Meyer understands that he's not going to just be able to put the fastest guy on the team versus a future insurance salesman and just have him figure it out. But you have to understand that Meyer has been studying this for a long time. He didn't just wake up in the morning and decide, Hey, I'm going to go coach the Jaguars. You know, he's been planning this for a while. I mean, Urban's that guy that says, Hey, I'm not doing something when he's actually thinking about doing it. I mean, it's just how he's been his whole career. So do I think this is going to be a 20 year solution and we're going to win six titles at Urban Meyer or something? No. But do I think he can absolutely turn this team around with the fact that they have Trevor Lawrence coming in, who also has done nothing but win his entire career? And they have three other picks in the top 45 and they have $77 million in cap space. You're one in 15. It literally cannot get any worse. Well, technically, yes, it can, but it really can't get any worse. So you got to move forward. You, you got the winner. And I'll give, last thing I'll say is I'll give huge props to Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner. I've been really hard on the guy for good reason because he's been way too patient, but the guy is a, he's also a winner. The guy made billions off bumpers. I mean, the guy is, he's done nothing but win in all his businesses. He landed the biggest fish. He said, who's urban Meyer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Urban sir, but he, he ain't coming out of retirement. Don't worry about it. He said, no, get him on the yacht, get him on the yacht and we're going to talk. And they figured it out. So he went out and got his winner. I think he's committed to, Hey, we want to build a winner here in Jacksonville. And I think that, Hey man, it's time to, it's time to start winning. That's all that's left for this team is they've, they've done everything else. They, they've got to start winning games. Or they are going and getting shipped on off because those rumors are overestimated by the way the media looks at the town. They go, oh, the Jaguars leaving any day. They're not. But if this don't work, they probably are. So, hey, hats off to them. And I am uh, I love to hire personally. So that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with the hire. Listen. It's one thing I've been harping on a lot with these NFL teams. I feel like the NFL is getting younger. I feel like they, the NFL is implementing more of the college scheme into to, today's offenses. Why does that matter? I feel like when you go out and you draft a young player like Trevor Lawrence and you, you're going to put all your chips on Trevor Lawrence, you have to get a coach that's going to understand how to translate this NFL jargon to this young player. And I feel like that's what Urban Meyer been doing. I People have to understand this. Urban Meyer been on this big noon kickoff for what, last two or three years? 
so uh, I can't remember his last um, Ohio State season uh, right off bat, but my, my point is he's been sitting on the sideline for, for a while. What you think he's been doing since he's been sitting on the sideline? He ain't been over there playing cornhole, that's for sure. He's been over there studying and how to translate this game and what the little things he needs to pick up in the NFL game. He knows how, how to motivate a college player. Now he's trying to realize, I'm going to have a roster of 53. I got to learn how I can translate my philosophy to these professional athletes that's getting paid triple, quadruple more uh, money than I'm getting paid. And I think he's smart enough to understand that and how to how to make that happen, how to get to the overall goal. And the overall goal is to make this a winning franchise. Uh, and then, you know, possibly win the Super Bowl if you get to that. But right now, we just want to win, right? That's all Jacksonville. They just want to be winners again. We'll say eight, um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think this is, a, like you said, a knockout the park higher because I think him and Trevor Lawrence can get together and you can make stuff happen. I think the owner is – um, he's going to allow Urban Meyer to do what he needs to do in tandem with some GM. I don't I don't know if they're giving Urban Meyer personnel rights or not, but... He will have most control over the roster. Okay, so even better. So he, he will get to make those those decisions on the personnel. So I, I, I think this is a winner. And listen, I got I got the Nick Saban comparisons. I, I got, you know, the uh, Steve Spurs, but what about Pete Carroll? You know, what, what about... It's other guys that's in the league with Jim and John. It's guys that have done it, and then it's guys that don't. Like, okay, so what? It's guys that haven't, but it's guys that have. So let the man try first. Let him get his shot at, at you know, at stardom in the NFL. And if he fails, he fails. But I I, I think it's a success. I like the move. I think um, it's what most teams need to do when you're talking about rebuilding or drafting your next franchise quarterback. You got to get a coach that speak that same language. I like it. We'll see how it goes. Out of the out of the uh, the three hires that that we've uh, got to discuss, this is you know by far I think the best hire. You know, I think if you're looking for, you know, you look at the college ranks, you know, in the in the 21st century, and you say who's the like, what's the guy you'd want to have? Like if you could like have your choice of all the college coaches, you'd probably just even though you know the two years weren't all that productive in Miami, you'd still take Nick Saban. And then Urban Meyer to me would be the, the next one you get. Um, so I mean Jacksonville, I mean they 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 hit it out of the park with this hire. Um, the, the, although I, I will say I, I do have some concerns. Although I, I think it's a great hire and they made the absolute right decision. Uh, the thing I would the thing I would caution you about though is um, I think you know you just think oh Urban Meyer Trevor Lawrence and that solves everything. I I, I think this is going to be a process and it's going to take some time. Even though I think I, they'll, they'll make. They'll make improvements just because, like you say, they can't get a whole lot worse than what they just were, um, you know. But I, I look at like maybe like three year three is when I would have like okay now it's time now it's time to have some like real serious expectations, and those expectations are kind of like like what do you expect in the end? Do you expect a Super Bowl or do you expect just to be competitive and like you know compete for the division or you know win a playoff game? The expectations I think in Jacksonville are so low that I, I think you could you could honestly probably get by with doing that even though. I think in the end, if you if you're getting Trevor Lawrence, who I've been told is the best thing since you know Andrew Luck or whatever, and you're getting Urban Meyer, who you know is the you know the the catch of the the catch of the off season in the coaching ranks, um, it just depends, and it goes back to ownership. 
I mean, I think Shad's a patient guy, you know, sometimes to a fault. But Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, they're going to get the time they need to make this thing work. And beyond that, there's plenty of work to do. I think offensively, there's a lot of good things that they have, uh, with, you know, with DJ Chark at receiver, James Robinson, uh, you know, having an excellent rookie campaign. I think offensively, there's some things you like. Um, but this defense has got it. I mean, it's already torn down. They, they're going to have some, but they're almost in the situation that the Carolina Panthers were in last season. Draft a whole new defense. I think the offensive line, you know, could use maybe some, uh, you know, some some renovations in there as well. Uh, and I do have a question. Is Todd Walsh still employed? He will not be now. They're okay, going to hire right. a new offensive and defensive right, well, hey, yeah, with, 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 with that said, Jay, I was trying to wait for you to have a pause, but you, you said year three is when we'll look for this duo to make that step or whatnot. So I would think, is, yeah, I think a realistic expectation right now, just as I'm thinking about it, is year three is when you'd expect, you know, a playoff push. Not, I don't think not, the, I don't think the first two years is when that would be realistic. Although that don't mean it couldn't happen. Okay, so is that comparable to say, let's say, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and uh, what Murray doing in Arizona? Number I think so, and I think young coach come in. Yeah. Not not many expectations because you're both starting off on the same ground. I think, you know. I, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's actually a good comparison. And re, okay. so really, yeah, next year is probably when you'd like to see, you know, them make a push. And they were, you know, they started off whatever six and two it was and they appeared, oh man, they look really good right now. And they fell back to the pack. But yeah, um, next season is probably when you'd like to see them do some things. It could be a similar thing. Although, I mean, Urban Meyer and Cliff Kingsbury, it's a little bit different. You know, you'd, you'd hope to see Urban Meyer, but I don't think, I don't think Arizona started, you know, completely, you know, at the, you know, the ground zero that Jacksonville almost is. I think this is a little bit worse, but with a guy like Urban Meyer, you know, you'd hope that he can, you know, round these guys into form a little bit. Uh, the only other negative is, I, and I, you don't, you don't hear this brought up very often with coaches, but I think the the health thing, the health concerns are a, li a little bit something worth paying attention to. You know, when he left Florida and when he left Ohio State, it was health related. So when you talk about how long is this something that's going to go on before, you know, he has to step away again for a potential health reason. I mean, that's something I just, th I, I just think that's something worth considering. So four or five years, you know, I think that may be the window, a realistic window right now for me, the one positive, the other positive that I do like, and it's not necessarily something you can translate from college, but urban Meyer, combined with the salary cap thing, Urban Meyer is going to bring in free agents, I think. I think Urban Meyer can do that. Oh, so yeah. that that's going to be, that's going to definitely assist him. And they got all the cap room in the world. You get out, maybe you, you take a shot at getting Allen Robinson down here. Maybe he got some Ohio State free agents that can roll on in and hook back up with him. I think that's something, I think, you know, getting talent in somewhat quickly, but there is a lot of work to do down there for him. Yeah, I, mean, and I just... Weather. Uh, one, one thing about the, the health thing, right? The health concern is very, very valid, right? However, let's remember, we got to take the whole context. Those health issues came after allegations started in Florida and Ohio State. Once the allegations started for something and he, he was starting to get a little fishy, they say, you know, I have my heart. Oh, man, I'm not feeling good. I'm out. So let's keep that in mind. If you go back and look, it didn't start until Florida was starting to get these allegations. We were recruiting and some other stuff. Then, oh, hey, 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 I'm not feeling good. I'm out of here. Then he went to the booth, came back to Ohio State. Everything was good until that assistant coach code scoundrel started. And then, oh, hey, 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 Rod, there you ready? I'm out of here. I got to go. So, yeah. I, you know, we got to keep that in mind as well. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the whole hope thing too is, you know, you're 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 not in college anymore. A one game loss isn't a death sentence. You know, you 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 five six losses is still a good NFL season. So maybe those tempered expectations will go a long way to easing that anxiety. So hopefully that's the case. We do have the other two coaching hires to go touch on real quick, guys, and we'll go ahead and start with uh, you. Drink with the Jets uh, again. Robert uh, Saleh hired from the 49ers defensive coordinator to the Jets. What'd you make of this hire? It was cool. Um, on a, right, so let's let that right. <laughs> well, okay, and let me let me backtrack. So let's say we put this on a scale from one to ten. If we did Urban Meyer to Jacksonville, that's that's a like an eight, eight out of ten. I, I like that move. Robert Solis, I'm looking at a you know a hot six, and it's not because of him. I'm sorry, Robert. I'm not blaming you. I know you the first Muslim. I got all that. You're like cool, got that. The reason I say that is because this is the New York Jets organization. I'm sorry, Robert. You're out of there in three years. You're going to get fired in three years. Um, I think the type of person that would survive in the New York Jets organization would have to be a just next level genius on the offense side of the ball because you're going to have to overcome so much bull boop in this organization that the the at bare minimum, you better be able to pull a rabbit out the hat when you calling plays or when your coordinator calling plays or something. Because this organization is what we like to call an S show. And it's on the biggest level ever. Um, so I, I feel bad. I, I know Robert Solis wanted to be a head coach. I just wish he could have probably got one of these other jobs and not the Jets job. I don't think this is a job for a defense coordinator. I really don't. Um, but like I said earlier, I, I thought two of these guys would get hired. He was one of them. Um, best of luck to him. Him as a coach, he deserves this opportunity. No, no, no doubt he deserves this opportunity. I just don't like the opportunity that he got. I'm not the biggest fan of this Jets leadership, this management, this ownership. I ain't just a team with the ambassador to like some like eh, I'm just not. I'm I'm out on the organization of the New York Jets. But I'm happy that Robert Solis got it. And he seems to have the, the, the demeanor and the leadership as a head coach to get this team on the right track. Um, I think you told me before the show that he's been killing it on the interview tour. Everybody loves me, the rock star, the next, next coming of the Beatles, all that good stuff. However, that sounds good and dandy until the season starts and you got to line up against the other teams. And then it goes down here really, really fast. So I'm sorry. I gave it a six, and I think he's going to be fired in three years, but I'm happy for Robert Solis. I'm happy for him, just not so much the Jets organization. Oh, my gosh. Dude can't, dude can't be on the job 24 hours before you're already predicting his demise in three That's short That's what we got to do. That's what today's – we got to do. I will say, uh, I will say, you know, Woody Johnson or whatever ambassadorship he had, that uh, – that's probably expiring in about four days or uh, what have you, you know, due to the um, – uh, administration turnover we're about to have not that it, right. not that that makes a difference I don't I don't know Woody Johnson Christopher Johnson hell Dwayne Johnson I don't think it matters all that much this team <laughs> this team and this organization more importantly is just you know it's a train wreck and you know similar somewhat you know it, it doesn't even have the Jacksonville feel to it you know I, I don't think you know Shot Khan is down there just you know hanging out and he's not really Probably not all that involved. The jet, the Jets just feel like that. Just ownership every now and again. They just like, hey, come on in, come on in the control booth, but don't touch nothing. 
every like you know couple days or so they'll like touch something and just it breaks and now you go here you're making repairs that's these johnson fellas up here in new york city and it just gets magnified because it is new york city and you actually have somewhat a respectable organization you know that shares a stadium with you and they actually have a history of somewhat proud history of winning and such uh, but the it's um i i agree with you uh drink i don't see and it has nothing to do with Robert Sala in the end. It is the fact that this is the New York Jets. I mean, you know, to, uh, it, it almost has a little bit of a sense like, you know, Todd Bowles when he was hired, you know, several years ago. And, you know, Todd Bowles, respected guy, he's, he's come back. I think he's in, the, he's in the running for some of these jobs, you know, to his credit, you know, down there with the Bucks. He's, you know, rebuilt his, you know, resume and, uh, uh, and, all, and all that. Uh, but it's just, it's a lot to overcome. Todd Bowles almost made the playoffs one time in four years. And that was probably the best he could do. And he actually had, you know, somewhat of a decent roster. Uh, this is not that. You have, you know, per Rich Samini, the ES ESPN NFL Nation reporter. Um, not that I necessarily trust what he has to say because he works for ESPN. But uh, he, he was, of the, he's of the mindset that the New York Jets have two building blocks for the future. And the left tackle and uh, defensive lineman, uh, Mikai Becton and Quentin Williams. If that's all you have at the building blocks uh, location, then you have a lot of work to do, just as much work as you have to do in uh, Jacksonville. And of course, the difference is, is you're in the New York media market. So, I mean, the fans are, they're only going to be patient for so long. And you already, in some degree, have a somewhat of a quarterback decision to make. Uh, do you continue on with Sam Donald, who I don't, I don't think any of us have much of a clue if Sam Darnold can play because he really hasn't, hasn't given, uh, been given a fair shake um, because, because Adam Gase is just terrible. And, you know, most of the, the, um, the complimentary pieces around him have been terrible. They, the, really the only thing they did uh, was they spent all this money on Le'Veon Bell and then they couldn't figure out how to use him, And he was out bowling and all the, all the rest of it. Um, so I don't, I, I really, although it's, it's really sad to say, I agree with Trent. I think in three years, maybe four, Robert Sala's out of here because the owner ain't going to be out of here. Um, they'll also be looking for a new GM. They'll be looking for a whole lot of things. This 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 has all the uh, recipe of a of a just a disaster, and it's a shame because you'd like to see a guy like Robert Sala, who I, who you know has done a fantastic job as the San Francisco 49ers uh, defensive coordinator. He's to me, I think if you had if you had a comp for him, he's I think I look at him as a, a more animated version of Mike Tomlin. Um, but he's not, I don't see it. He's not going to have Mike Tomlin success, unfortunately, because he didn't go to the Steelers who have the, you know, the most stable ownership in NFL history. He went to the Jets and they're a joke. Yeah, real quick, we do have one more to get to, but uh, I, I will say that it, it, much as it suck, you know, I, I agree. I know all about losing teams, losing cultures, all that fun stuff. I Trust me. Um, I, I will say that if you can start to get a little bit of a role, you can start to win a couple games. Things things can change around really fast. The outlook can change really fast. I'll say this too. The Jets do have the second overall pick. If they are going to decide to keep Sam Darnold, that's going to open the door for another really, really good. You can go ahead and get the, the tackle from Oregon, and you've got your bookends, and you're set. And then if those guys look good, the rest of your offensive line, can look good your defensive I think you know Quentin Williams is your building block that whole defensive line was pretty good this year they they, they they really did play well despite the rest of the crap going on they but if your positions of need are more like running back and wide receiver and corner those those you can you can you can address that fairly easily in free agency or whatever else and again they do pick second they pick 23rd they pick 34th and they have another third round pick thanks to Seattle the Jamal Adams trade so 
I think that the, the potential is here. And I think Saleh is a guy that can be that CEO guy. Maybe doesn't he can't go in there and debate the fine numbers with everybody, but he can get everybody in the room, get them to figure it out. It could work. I, I'd be a little bit optimistic because of just how much the guy killed it on the interview trail and all the buzz around him. But he, boy, he's got a lot of work to do. Probably the most of any of these guys uh, so far. This was probably, other than the Texans, the, the worst job available. Um, Again, besides the Texans. All right, real quick, uh, let's go ahead and get to uh, Arthur Smith and the Falcons. Jay, I know you had some thoughts on this one. If you want to go ahead and uh, take us through it. When did the Tennessee Titans all of a sudden be able, be a, become a factory for offensive uh, coaches? Yeah, Matt LaFleur fly up there to Green Bay and do something. And that look, that looks all well and good because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about this. I'm, first of all, I'm, not, I'm just not – can we get a more bland name than this? And I'm just not like the whole Arthur angle to all this. I'm just – how many you you got any? I don't have any friends named Arthur. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about the the old Arthurs. Or but you know what? You know what Our this owner. reminds me of though. This Arthur. dude. This dude. You just look at him. It just got a little bit of a feel. It looked like Pat Shermer Volume Two. This dude looked like a salad with no dressing on it. I, I just I, there's nothing about Arthur Smith that just leads me. To, that just gets me excited. Urban Meyer gets me excited, and to an extent, Robert Sala gets me excited. You, you get really? Is this? Oh, what? Oh, what do you know? There is another Arthur down there. The owner, Arthur Blank. Maybe that's what it was. Arthur Blank and Arthur Smith. I just don't. And then, you know, another thing that I see in all this that I didn't like that what I saw, you know, who is uh, rumored to be the offensive coordinator? Can I interest you in Dave Ragone, who whose most recent profession was the, the Bears passing game coordinator? Who the hell? Who Really? The Bears? Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? The guy that's running up there in Chicago and had the pleasure and privilege of working with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. That's who I want to run my offense. I can't imagine. You know, if that, if that is true, I can't imagine how offended that must make Matt Ryan. Dave, Dave Ragone. That's what it's going to be. The Arthur Smith and Dave uh, Ragone show. This is the worst. This is the worst hire by far so far. The Falcons, it's, it's, it's a it's a de- it's a decent job comparatively. When you have the Jets, you know, open for business, when you have the the Jaguars and the the Lions and the Texans, there's some bad organizations looking for work. And the Falcons are not that bad off, but they choose to make one of these. This this is a suspect hire to me. I don't I don't I don't see I, th- this don't get me excited at all. So but good luck with it and good luck with Dave Ragone. <laughs> what shall I say? Um <laughs> listen, um now, I'm with Jay on this. This is by far the worst hire up to this point. Um, this is going to be a smooth five, probably four and a half for me. But with that said, I would say this. Yo, where did Sean McVay come from before he became a head coach? Washington. Yeah. Washington, right? And, the re- and Sean McVay at the time was like this big brain dude with the wound. And then that's how um, Matt LaFleur got in the mix because – he had some relationship with Sean McVay. I'm assuming this Arthur Smith guy rubbed shoulders with Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay somewhere, and now he's going to become an offense coordinator. My whole point of that is to say this. Matt LaFleur hasn't bombed yet. McVay is not a bomb yet. And maybe this Arthur Smith cat might be something. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Bland, very bland, you know, unseasoned rice. I got it, all that. But... <laughs> At the end of the day, we thought the same thing about Matt LaFleur. We 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 had questions like, wait, what? What has this guy done that was impressive? What? what? He gets to be 
and it seems to be working in Green Bay. Maybe it's mostly um, Aaron. Maybe, maybe it's mostly – who knows, but it works. Whether Whoever gets the credit, it works. We've seen that in New England. No matter who you get a credit to, it worked, though. Bill, Tom, David, it worked. And it's working. So maybe um, oh, Arthur Smith here, and I'm with you. I don't have one friend named Arthur, but it is what it is. Um, maybe this guy comes into the Falcons and, you know, he, he does some things. I, I got to get him the benefit of the doubt. These Tennessee guys have shown up. Or these, these He's only 38 years old. Um, so that's a pretty young coordinator. Uh, and, and these guys seem to be be on their job. So I ain't mad at it, but it is it's by far the worst hire of the three, for sure. We'll see if he can do something. Um, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt just because I have seen these Tennessee offense coordinators come in, you know, do something when they when they got a chance to do something. Let me just say that. And like you said, it's not like he's going to the Jets to the bare bones, right? He's going to the Falcons. He will get some talent. He's getting Matt Ryan. He's getting Julio Jones. He's getting Calvin Johnson. He's getting a couple of pieces um, on that defense to help, you know, help that offense move the ball. It's, it's a better situation. This is where Robert Silas should be, to be perfectly honest with you. I understand why he's not here. Because Arthur Blank didn't want to hire two back-to-back defense coordinators as a head coach after he just seen what happened to the last one. So he wanted to switch gears, and I'm not mad at that. But this probably would have been a better job for Robert Silas because he would get some talent that he can actually depend on here where he won't have where he won't have in New York. So yes, um, this is a hot five out of ten for your boy. Um, but we'll see. These Tennessee products have shown up throughout the years. I don't have any friends named Urban, and they, you know, he, you know, seems to be okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say uh, the thing about Arthur know, Smith. You don't, you don't like, know any more Urbans either. I, I no, I, I don't. You, you, Jay has the his his resume, Smith's resume laid out. And I don't know what is like impressive about this at all. Like I, I, you know, he he's been like a defensive quality assistant for a number of years, and then he just suddenly became an offensive coordinator. Like I don't like this the titans man you got you salvaged a hundred million dollar quarterback for half a season pretty much like i, I don't what what's and you and you, you hand the ball it. to derrick is derrick henry yeah, going with go. him i mean if he is then go. okay like all right great hire man the thing about the falcons too is like but the same thing was said about matt lafleur that's my whole point the same know. thing was said his resume it, wasn't impressive what the hell has he done I tell you this, if it was a guy like Kellen Moore or Joe Brady, like another young guy, offensive guy, but it was like, you know, they had that really like superstar feel. Like you just, you can just feel like in five years, Joe Brady's been one of those guys you look back and go, God, why didn't we hire him when we had the chance? As Arthur says, I have that feel to me. It's just like, he's just a guy. Like, I don't know. Maybe he'll be fine. I, I just don't like the Titans. So I guess I shouldn't be commenting. I will say though, for the Falcons, I guess the question really is, are they going to keep Julio and Matt Ryan? Are they going to keep trying to make this work? Or do you trade them? Do you blow it up? Do you get a bunch of picks? Do you go ahead and reset? I think like, that's up to the players. Right. You know, it's, it's just like, they're getting so up there in age and time, man. It's like, if this is an awkward time to have a new coach come in when your roster kind of has this weird win now, but not really kind of feel so that that's going to be an interesting experiment when they're off season, what they might do with that. So we'll, I guess we'll see what he old Arthur Smith wants to do with Arthur blank. 
My fellas, go ahead and finish off in the NBA. Last night, we got a pretty good early season matchup between two contenders of the Milwaukee Bucks, moving to 9-4 and four on the year, where they win over the Dallas Mavericks by a score of 112-109. Giannis led the way for the Bucks, scoring 31 points in 30 minutes, but was a disastrous 1 of 10 from the line. The Mavs had their star duo of Doncic and Porzingis out there, who combined for 43 points, but it wasn't quite enough, and the loss pushes the Mavericks back to 6-5. and five. So, Drink, uh, what do you think of the action? Does anything jump out so far about either team? Well, I mean, obviously, you said it in the lead-in. Um, the MVP out here, just ice cold from the free-throw line. And listen, this ain't just one for ten. Yeah, that's the stat line for the whole night. But let's talk about the ones in the fourth quarter. Like, yo, th- that ain't it, man. Like, <clears throat> I like how media and fans pick and choose when something is it and it's not. Because – if that was LeBron James going one for 10 from the free throw line, it will be the leading story everywhere. Like, oh, my God, look how horrible this is. He's supposed to be the GOAT, and, oh, he can't shoot free throws. But then you got Giannis, uh, you know, back-to-back MVP, all this other good stuff, and we, we're not hitting we're not hitting MVP. We, we, we can't hit free throws? What are we doing? It, we, oh, this MVP shit, but I'm sorry. This MVP stuff, but – we can't hit free throws. Um, so I, I don't understand it. That's the biggest point that came out last night. Now, overall for the game, as I watched this game, I thought to myself, this Bucks team, and I understand we're early in the season, but they got to get a lot better if they want to compete for the East. I ain't talking about competing for the title. I'm talking about competing for the East. Like that performance last night, it was cool for early season, but that can't be going on in the next two months. You're not beating the Nets with that. You're going to struggle with the, the Celtics with that. You might struggle with Miami again with that. I, I, that's not it. That's, that's, I'm sorry. That wasn't it last night. Because Drew Holiday, I, I got it. You, you gave up way too much for Holiday to be milling around like he was last night. I just expected more. And then that, let's go over to, to uh, Dallas last night. You know, Luca. I thought he played well. Porzingis, like, when when do you when will we get a fully healthy Porzingis ever in his NBA career? Like, I'm talking New York now. I'm talking Dallas. This guy just stays hurt too much. I mean, he's gonna have to go do some some calf raises, um, something. He got to put some meat on the bones. Clearly, this whole Kevin Durant um diet he got ain't working for him. It might work for Durant. It ain't working for him. All right. We're going to have to put some meat in the diet. We're going to have to uh, put some pork in there. I don't do something. But, my man, you're just too frail. That's just the bottom line. You're really, really fragile. And Luca is starting to look at him like, can I depend on this guy? Like, really, can I depend on this guy when I need him? Because he's out of the picture a lot. And then last night he came in, he, he played okay. But you need more from your second guy. It's just if we beat up on Chris Middleton for what he don't give Giannis from time to time, you got to talk, start talking about what Pazingas is not giving Dutch from time to time. This is supposed to be this upcoming duo. That that's not going to get it done. You might you won't even make the playoffs. Keep playing like that this year because it is very very competitive in that West. And this this not that what I seen last night is not a playoff roster in the West. It's just not. They're going to have to get better. Um, so overall, I do understand that this is early season action. But a lot could be said when you're looking at the number twos and the threes and, and so on and so forth. And we knew this. 
when the Bucks missed off on uh, when they missed out on Born Don Bogdanovich, when they missed him in that whole trade and let him go to Atlanta, it was kind of like, dang, it's not a big deal now, but it will become a big deal. And I think it's starting to become a big deal because that was a shooter that they could have really, really used. That's what they could have used last night. Even though Chris Middleton, he did his thing, not going to knock him. But that guy could have been a shooter off the bench that you could have really used. This game shouldn't have been that close last night. But if you can't make shots and free throws, this is what you get. Um, but it's early in the season. I got it. But my, my overall takeaway is you got to get more. Dallas got to get more from Porzingis. You, can we get more Porzingis? That's not it. And and, and the Bucks, they're going to have to find a way to, to up that scoring. Um, because last night, you, if you played a better team last night, you lose that game. You lose that game if you're playing, I don't know, the Clippers, Lakers, uh, the Suns. If you play the Suns, you probably lose that game. It's just – yeah, you gotta be able to close it out better than that. But it's early in the season, so we'll see where both teams go. Yeah, I don't wanna, don't wanna, you don't wanna draw too many, uh, too, too many conclusions too quickly out of some, you know, early regular season action like this. I, I will say off the cuff, I, th- I don't want to be too unfair to Kristaps Porzingis. I think um, in the in totality, uh, the the res- some of the reservations we probably have about him. You know, uh, there, there's good reasoning behind him, but this this was only his second game of the season as he comes back from whatever whatever injury it, it is this time. Uh, but that 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 type of performance is not uh, what you need. If 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 ever Dallas gets the full scale Porzingis with you know, there's it's almost um, you know Kevin Durant to another degree because Porzingis is seven three and yet he has guard like skills. Whenever we get the full Porzingis, if we ever get that, Dallas will be a serious problem because we know how much of a problem Luka is by himself because he showed us last year against the Clippers in the playoffs. He made he made that a series, um, you know, predominantly by himself. Um, still not a, you know, there's, there's a lot of nice things Dallas has, you know, around him, but it's just outside of Porzingis, there's nothing that like gets you like ultra excited. I mean, the next, the, the next best thing they have is Tim Hardaway who can just, you know, go, get scorching hot you know, for these, you know, my, for these uh, short, uh, short stints in a game. And then, you know, he's also got the disappearing act he'll pull from time to time. Uh, but th- that's the, that's the question for Dallas that, that it's kind of, it's, um, you know, their success will be uh, determined by how much, how much poor Zingas they get. They get a lot of poor Zingas. They're going to be a lot of, they're going to be a lot more fun to watch and they'll be, they'll be a threat. I think to whoever they'll, they'll, you know, there's not a, you know, you, you wouldn't pick them against, you know, all, maybe the Lakers and Clippers, but anybody else you'd probably say they, they got a really good shot against these teams. Um, but for the Bucks, though, I'm, you know, you probably nine and four. It seems like, you know, probably they're a little bit behind the pace from probably the last two years, but they are, they have went in somewhat of a different direction. I still, I still like the Drew Holiday thing over Eric Bledsoe. It just, it just has a better feel to it. He's off to a fairly good start, you know, 15 points, five assists, and he's uh, shooting a pretty high percentage, shooting about 43% from three. And we all know that that's something Eric Bledsoe will not give you, as, you know, we all know, we've, we've seen, I've seen enough of that. Um, you know, I, I will say about uh, the free throw shooting from both sides is just something that stands out. I don't know how you have two professional NBA teams come out there and both teams, forget the, forget the individual performances for just a second. Both of these teams shot under 50% from the free throw line. So not only is it a situation where you look at, you know, a player here and a player there and say like, what are you, what are you doing? 
I don't even know. I don't know if I could. Yeah, I probably could go one for ten trying, but that's that's got that's that's hard. That's hard to be that bad. Giannis, it's it's a situation where he hasn't always been this bad of a free throw shooter, and yet it's just continued to deteriorate. And something you think that would just take some level of you know focus and some level of consistent work, and you could stabilize that. And no one's no one's asking you to shoot you know 80, 85 percent, but you know, you'd like to be. 70% or somewhere around there. That, that's somewhat acceptable for an MVP. Um, so that that's something I think if, if the Bucks are going to, you know, if they're going to make that run that we think they're, I still think they're capable of, you know, coming out of the East and challenging for an NBA title. That that's, a, that's a hole that teams are going to exploit. They're going to, you're going to, when you're that dominant of a player, you're going to get fouled. And if you can't take advantage, then that's, that's just a knock on your efficiency. And then, then it slows the game down and your teammates get out of rhythm but speaking of teammates, I, you know, we criticize on, you know, Chris Middleton from time to time and rightly so, but Chris Middleton, you know, if you take a look at it, he's off to a scorching start. He's giving you, he's giving you 22 points in just 32 minutes. He's, uh, he's on that 50, 40, 90, and it's, uh, he's above the pace. He could, he could uh, fall back a little bit. He's 53% from the field, 47% from deep. And uh, I believe he got 90, 95% from the free throw line, giving you six rebounds, giving you six assists. So he's off to a splendid start. And if I don't know if this is necessarily sustainable, but if Chris Middleton is going to play on this level, remember the whole, the whole, uh, probably the Chris Middleton out of all the duos that we talked about, you know, he was the least impressive Robin to the Batman act. This is, um, this is a more impressive um, thing that we're seeing. If he can, if he can play, if he can play somewhat like this, then I think, I think we got the Bucks are going to be, you know, it's the same old as, as the last two seasons. They'll be a dominant force in the Eastern Conference. Um, and the one thing, you, you know, we talked about this from time to time last season as well. The Bucks, they never appeared to have that, you know, that tough guy, that guy with that dog in him, you know, the, the Marcus Morris or like that the Clippers had and uh, Marcus Smart for the uh, Boston Celtics. Um, keep it keep, I think it's worth keeping an eye on a guy like Bobby Portis, who comes with a little bit of that mean streak, uh, can can get in the paint, get um, you know probably a little bit more than Brooke Lopez, who's you know evolved into more of a perimeter player, but he can get uh, really battle on the boards, get some tough uh, putbacks for you. I think Bobby Portis punch is, you in uh, the face, all that. That's right, punch you. Yeah, sometimes a mean streak towards the wrong uh, teammates. I guess that's why uh, Nikola Mirotic still over there in Europe playing playing ball, or whatever. He he got scared, <laughs> uh, but. I think he's worth it. And the, keep in mind this. I know the the Bogdanovich trade, when that fell through, that seemed to be kind of, you know, oh, man, they missed out on this guy. But it also, you remember when we were projecting what that team would look like with him on the roster, it really it vaporized their depth. Now you you look at the you look at this team in totality, and there's there's I think there's still a lot to like, you know, coming off the bench. You're still able to keep DiVincenzo. You still got Pat Connaughton. Uh, you know, you got Porters, you got DJ Augustine, you know, he's an underrated guy, been a, you know, he's one of the most reliable backup point guards, you know, for, for years now in this league. And they got uh, hey Bryn Forbes, you know, who's a great shooter that they, you know, got from the Spurs. And they also, they got Torrey Craig down on this roster too, who's, you know, got some, got an injury right now that he's dealing with. So that, there's a, there's a, there's still a lot here and a lot for Mike Budenholz to work with. And I think, I think the Bucks are going to be fine. Yeah, they, they definitely seem all right. You know, you look at uh, the, some of the one of the things we have to consider for the East in general is the East is back. The East is the better conference this year, most likely. You know, you've got your three-headed monster with Brooklyn. You, the Boston Celtics are playing great ball. You still have the Bucks. You've got pretty much all your usual suspects, plus teams like Charlotte and, I mean, the Knicks. I mean, they're both, like, 
I mean, the whole conference has come up for the most part. There's very few teams that have really slid back. And a lot of the stars have left LeBron's side of the thing and they've came to the East. I mean, I, I have no idea why that'd be, but hey, whatever. Um, so, you know, nine and four. Hey, man, you take nine and four in this East. Now, a couple of years ago when it was still, you know, everyone was messing around and you know, whatever. Um, the thing about the Bucks really, it comes down to Giannis and, and these little things like making your free throws and not turning the ball over and making your right decision. This is the difference than making having a championship and just being another second round exit or, or a conference finals, you know, exit. I mean, one for 10 is atrocious. I mean, that, that cannot happen. I mean, you know, both teams shot poorly, but the Bucks would have been 11 of 15 without Giannis. So, you know, they, it was, it was more on him, you know, the Mavericks more as a team, but this is the little things, man, when you're a superstar, you're an MVP and you're the guy and the whole team builds around you and they, they break the bank and they break rosters for you. You you've got to do little things like this. I mean, it's fine. 30 points, 30 minutes. That's, that's fantastic, man. But like, you know, come the playoffs, that may not be enough because they, they got anyone can be hack a shacked, especially someone like you. So let, let's that, that's the kind of stuff I just can't fathom with professional basketball players at free throws or something that are just this big of a hangnail and continue to be for years and years. Like, what are you doing with your off time? I don't I don't get it, you know. So clean that up. The Bucks will be fine. And, and then for the Mavericks. Yeah, something, man. You know, and for the Mavericks, I'll say they were my kind of like one of my favorite picks this year, you know, in the West. But I I would I did caveat they were going to need to make a trade for that to be real. And I still believe that. I think that if I see Porzingis gets back, he gets stronger, he gets healthier, they start ranking a little bit of a run, they start getting in a rhythm. Hey, I'm if I'm Dallas, I'm picking the phone up, I'm trading some picks, I'm I'm trading some of these other guys on this roster because by my estimation, the rest of this roster, they can go at any time. I mean, I can switch these guys out whenever, you know, and I think the Mavericks are a move away from being a serious contender because right now I think they're about a little bit above 500. They're probably like a six or a seven seed right now, make a trade. And this can still be a dangerous team, but I think they're going to have to do something besides what they have right now. Cause what they got right now ain't going to be enough. All right. So finish off a rapid reaction, a lot of topics, a little bit of time. You got to drink. Let's roll baby. Broncos pass rusher Von Miller is the subject of a police investigation in Parkers, Colorado. Although no charges have been filed, what are your thoughts on this news? Uh, not a whole lot of thoughts on the police investigation, but I do think we've seen the last of Von Miller in Denver. I think, he, I think he'll be playing somewhere else in 2021. Chicago Bulls coach Billy Donovan said his team wants to win, but they don't know how to after they lost their fourth straight game to fall to four and eight. Uh, do you agree with Donovan? And do you have any issue with what he said? Nope, absolutely not. Now, I would say this, you're the coach. So you're supposed to be teaching them how to win. But I do understand what he's saying. When you come in, you got these young guys, they never won. So they don't know how to close out a game properly. They don't know how to, you know, forecast and get ready. So, but as the coach, Billy Donovan, we have more respect for you to be able to get these guys ready. That's why we said this was a good hire for Chicago. So we need you to prove us right there, Billy, and get these guys going. But I do understand what he means. It's hard for those guys to understand the little things matter to him. The New York Yankees agreed to term to a terms on a six-year contract worth ninety million dollars with second baseman DJ LeMahieu. Better deal for the Yanks or LeMahieu? I think it's a better deal for the Yankees. I mean, $15 million a year for a guy who just is coming off uh, winning a batting title and that's his second batting title in his career now. Feels like, it almost feels like a little bit of a steal for the Yankees and a guy who, in my mind, since he's came over, has been their most reliable hitter, their most consistent hitter, um, certainly more so than uh, the combination of Aaron Judge 
and Giancarlo Stanton, who are, you know, some, for some reason reminding me of uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson for some reason. In his first media session since joining the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden rejected the idea that he was disrespectful to his former Houston Rocket teammates this season. Uh, do you believe him? Somewhat. Um, I don't think his comments was disrespectful. When he said the team wasn't good enough and they're not going to, you know, they don't think they could compete for a championship. I, that was not disrespectful. That was the God on, that's the truth. Like you, your team ain't good enough. Like even with James Harden, that team was not good enough to compete for a championship. Now he was disrespectful with the way he showed up the camp, the way he handled himself in the off season. Then, you know, coming in with an apathetic attitude and, you know, coming out here looking with a dad bod and all this, like that was disrespectful to the players because you showed you didn't care to come in any type of shape. So yeah, that was, so I would say his actions were disrespectful, but what he said out of his mouth, that was not disrespectful. The Steelers will not retain offense coordinator Randy Fentner after a disappointing finish to the season. Do you agree with that decision, Jay? Yeah, I, I do. I think uh, Mike Tomlin's right to make a few changes after, you know, you finish you finish off a season in such a disastrous way. And, you know, as the season went along, they just lost full sight of the running game. And it was just Big Ben just throwing the ball 50, 60 times. And it just, it just never worked. And it was, it was a situation where they had to go in a different direction, you know, because that one wasn't working. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers center, Yusuf Nurkic. What do you know? We'll miss at least eight weeks after suffering a fractured right wrist Thursday night against the Indiana Pacers. What's that mean for the Blazers' playoff hopes? The same thing it meant since he's been on the roster. You might get him back. He might be available. Then the Blazers are going to be – they're going to go from a good team to a great team, or they're going to go from an average team to a good team. Oh, that smack that Charles Barkley like to talk on the TNT network. Um, but at the end of the day, it means about the same. They're going to be a, a middling team. They might make the playoffs as a 6, 7, or 8 seed, and then they're going to get bounced in the first round, and then we're going to hear how – they would have won the series if they had Nurkic. That's what it means. I'm about, hey, somebody, this guy's always hurt. He's pretty doggone unreliable, but um, whatever. We'll see what Charles Barkley got to say, and we'll go with that. <laughs> the Houston Astros buffered their bullpen by signing from a reliever, Pedro Baez. You a fan of this move, Jay? I am. I think uh, what I've seen for the Astros in the past several years is a lot of their bullpen guys – um, they're not power arms. They don't throw particularly hard. You know, Baez is a guy, he's going to come in. He's going to throw uh, mid, mid nineties, upper nineties, a little hard slider. Um, and that's a, that's a young bullpen outside of Ryan Presley last year. They didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, veteran guys they could lean on. Uh, he'll fix that. And I think he'll be, uh, he'll be a big asset to him. The NBA is fine. Brooklyn Nets point guard Kyrie Irving, $50,000 for violating the league's health and safety protocols. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, you know, at first glance, I was like, why? You know, I, Kyrie Irving did so much, I got confused at what exactly he was getting fined for. Let me yeah. say that. Um, I thought it was for something else. I had to go back, and, and you straightened me out on that and um, pointed me in the right direction. So as far as violating the health and safety protocol, absolutely. Hey, I'm, I'm with it, NBA. And if the players ain't getting the, the notion, go ahead and crank it up to a 1000 Like, I mean, 100000 Um. Because, yeah, because you 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 got to get these guys to take it serious. Well, we seen Kyrie Irving out at an event, and I got it, to each his own, right? But at the end of the day, you are you are an employee of the NBA. So if the NBA say knock it off, 
they have the right to say, okay, you don't want to knock it off. We'll take some of that money that you've been getting paid. That's just what it is. In any job, that's how it works. You don't want to knock it off. We got something for you. Um, and so the more you take from these guys, the more they listen. But you got James Harden in the strip club. You got Kyrie Irving at a birthday party. You got all types of other stuff going. Yeah, start hitting the way it hurts right in the pocket. Texas on the cabin there says he's, he has spoken with quarterback Deshaun Watson by the text. By the text, right? But the Texans still appear to have work to do to make Watson happy after his text yesterday, which read, I was on a two, then I took it to a 10. Any idea what that could mean, Jay? I think it goes back to something I believe I heard in some form or fashion from DeAndre Hopkins, where uh, when Hopkins got traded, Deshaun Watson, you know, wasn't all that upset with it. But now that he's been, he was left out of the general manager surge, that's what really uh, got under his skin. Of course, you know, not what, four months after he signed, you know, his mega millions jackpot deal. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, um, there's still a lot of work here for the Texans if they want to keep Watson in the fold. And I don't, I don't think, um, I don't know if this relationship is, is going to be able to be mended. And it's just going to be interesting if Deshaun Watson is able to, you know, pull some type of NBA power player move and get himself out of there. Cause I don't think, I don't think it's a good situation that he, he should have known. He should have right. known that when they traded Deandre Hopkins right. last one later today, it's fight night Holloway versus Qatar on ESPN plus and on ABC at the Ethiad Arena in Abu Dhabi. The main event is a UFC featherweight title bout between the number one ranked contender, Max Holloway, and the number six ranked contender, Calvin Qatar. Who you got, Drink? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm taking Holloway in this one. Um, both guys coming off um, – well, well, Holloway is coming off a, a loss to, to the champion, um, both Ganowski, and then Cater, he's coming off a win. However, Max Holloway is a featherweight great. Pound for pound, great in the featherweight division. Um, so it's just very hard for me to go against the greatness I've seen out of him. So I'm going with Max Holloway. And just on a side note, folks, if you do watch this event, I think this event will be um, – the arena will be full. That's why this is a new arena that the UFC is rolling out on Yas Island for the sole purpose of being able to have fans because they're getting it ready for the notorious one. That's either here or there. So – um, I think it will be fans, so uh, welcome. You know, I'm happy to see the fans come back, but I'm taking Max Holloway. Max Holloway by TKO in the fourth round. Holloway. All right, that concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Waz. And I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.